Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter, that's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, a group of scientists and historians is on the verge of unearthing a chunk of the city's past that has long been buried and one that some people may prefer to keep that way. It's a potential mass grave from the worst single incident of interracial violence in American history. Beginning May 31st in 1921, thousands of armed white Tulsans invaded the black section of the booming oil town, terrorizing its residents, looting their homes and businesses, and burning to the ground some 35 square blocks of the city. Before the rampage was over, more than 10,000 Black people were left homeless, and more than 6,000 were interned in camps where they'd stay, in some cases, for months. We spoke with Scott Ellsworth, a native Tolson and a professor of African American history at the University of Michigan. Ellsworth is the author of the 1982 book, Death in a Promised Land, one of the first books to take a comprehensive and historical look at the Tulsa Race Massacre, 
previously euphemistically called the Tulsa Race Riot of 1921. He said, To this day, we don't know how many died. Reasonable estimates range from, I would say, 40 to as high as 300. When the unmarked but suspected mass grave in a Tulsa cemetery is excavated in July of 2020, it may provide a few answers to exactly what happened over those two days in 1921. It will be, for many, a literal reopening of a wound that's festered within the city for nearly a century. The Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 did not, in a word often used to describe such events, erupt. The city simply reached what now seems an inevitable breaking point. In early 1921, Tulsa was awash with cash from the oil boom. The good fortune reached into the north section of the city, mostly populated by Black Americans. That area, later to be known as the Black Wall Street, contained 191 businesses, including hotels, a feed store, a roller rink, cleaners, mom-and-pop stores, and restaurants, plus offices for doctors, dentists, and lawyers. The area had at least five churches, too, a library, a movie theater, and a hospital. Like the rest of the city at that time, the Black area, also known as Greenwood, had its problems. Alcohol, even under prohibition, was readily available. Illegal drugs were easy to find, too, as were gambling and prostitution. The whole city, not just Greenwood, struggled with crime and with lawless punishment. Less than a year before, a white teenager accused of murder was taken from his jail cell and lynched by a white mob. The police did little to protect him. And racial violence against Black people was commonplace, even though thousands of Black Americans had just returned from fighting in World War I. Jim Crow laws and pervasive racist attitudes meant that equality remained nothing more than a dream for Black Americans. And many white Americans wanted to keep it that way. Ellsworth wrote in a 2001 report commissioned by the state of Oklahoma on the then-called riot that, quote, during the weeks and months leading up to the riot, there were more than a few white Tulsans who not only feared that the color line was in danger of being slowly erased, but believed that this was already happening. So, into that explosive milieu, a black teenaged boy working as a shoeshiner had a brief run-in with a white teenaged girl operating an elevator. And the fuse was lit. The boy was taken into custody. A group of more than 2,000 angry white people, some intent on lynching him, possibly prompted by an inflammatory editorial in a white-run newspaper, gathered on the courthouse steps. Some armed black war veterans and others squared off with them there, and soon shots were fired. White people from all over the city began their march on the Greenwood area to tamp down what many white people saw as an uprising. There are stories of black citizens being murdered in their homes, interrupted in their evening prayers. The terror went on for 18 hours into June 1st. Despite their sworn duty to serve and protect, neither Tulsa police nor any other government agency assisted the black population. Instead, Tulsa police officers helped set some fires and an all-white unit of the National Guard joined the invaders. Other public officials provided guns and ammo to white men. The KKK got involved. A semi-functioning machine gun was used on black Tulsans, and some reports indicate that airplanes dropped homemade fire starters. Despite being largely outnumbered, black Tulsans fought to protect their homes and businesses, and most of all, Greenwood. But in the end, scores of black people and some white people were killed and Greenwood was left in ruins. The exact numbers of injured and dead, even after what's to be uncovered in three suspected mass graves, may never be known. 
It's still unclear exactly what happened between the black shoeshine boy, Dick Rowland, and the white elevator girl, Sarah Page, to spark the massacre. Though one thing is known. She refused to bring charges. Rowland was vindicated. For years, Tulsa refused to acknowledge in any meaningful way what had happened in 1921. Nobody has ever been charged or prosecuted for the crimes that occurred during those 18 or so hours. Even those who grew up there, Ellsworth included, were not taught that part of the city's history. The Tulsa Race Massacre became a terrible and closely held secret. That began to change with Ellsworth's Death in a Promised Land and some earlier work. Then, in 1995, when members of the national media descended on Oklahoma City after the bombing of the federal building, they were informed of this other, more terrible episode of domestic terrorism in the state's history. More news accounts and more books of the massacre followed. And in 2019, the HBO comic book superhero series Watchmen, inspired in part by Tulsa, enlightened many more to the story. But Tulsa's failed efforts to come to grips with its deadly past has left scars. Ellsworth said, City was robbed of its honesty. You have entire generations growing up in Tulsa who have never heard of this. You have people growing up with a false reality, a false vision of the land they were on. I mean, imagine if today, right now, that you had young people growing up in Manhattan who had never heard of 9-11, that there were no books to talk about 9-11, that it's as if it didn't exist. The race massacre was a gigantic myth in the history of Tulsa. It was deliberately buried for a long time. With the unearthing of one of at least three suspected mass graves in Tulsa, next month will mark another step in the long road to understanding and, perhaps one day, recovery. Ellsworth said, I know that this has been a process that has been going on for a while now. It's caused people to kind of reevaluate how they look at the past, how they look at their town and what's going on. I think that's been a liberating process for some people. It's been a very difficult one for others. Today's episode was written by John Donovan and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. Uh, Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.